Hello and welcome to a Sunday, April 10th edition of the Sports Ethos DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Harris Kermani, and today it is an incredibly special day as far as the NBA season is concerned. 15 games, every single team in the NBA is going to be playing today, which is absolutely wild, first and foremost, for a Sunday. And it is, of course, the last weekend heading into the postseason. There's a lot of implications still to get figured out as far as seedings are concerned, as far as first round matchups are concerned. And a lot of the results today are going to essentially determine who is going to be facing who. Now, what that means is that there are implications and needs for players to actually either get out there or if they are getting ready for the postseason and they have their spot secure, then they're more likely to go ahead and rest out as well. As far as the slates are concerned, though, there are two different slates to go ahead and take care of the DFS today. First and foremost, the 3.30 p.m. one, which will have four games. We'll have Washington taking off Charlotte, Indiana, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Cleveland, as well as Atlanta and Houston before the remainder of the 11 teams get going in the 7 p.m. slate. That's going to be going all the way up until 9.30 games, in which there are quite a few. So altogether, just a lot for us to go through. But before we do that, as always, shout out to our sponsor at Thrive Fantasy, which if you have not joined as of yet, there is no better time to do so. The prizes keep getting larger. They've given out at this point well over $7 million in prizes. And as the premier daily fantasy props betting location it is going to be your source to be able to create lineups all based around you picking the over and under on different statistical categories that you think a player is going to hit on that night and as a listener of the sports ethos dfs today podcast you just go ahead and use that promo code ethos and you will get your deposit instantly matched up to a hundred dollars for a hundred percent deposit match. So definitely sign up and prop up with us today. But let's go ahead and get right into the lineups for the 3.30 p.m. slate, which starts off with Washington taking on the Charlotte Hornets. The game is coming at a 233-point game total with the Charlotte Hornets being favored to win by 13. And we're going to see that a good bit today. There's a lot of double-digit spread games that we do need to keep ourselves aware of and really think about where your studs are going to be looked at. But as far as the injury report is concerned for Washington, we have Kyle Kuzma, Kostras Porzingis, KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope listed out, as well as, of course, Bradley Beal. While on the Charlotte side, you have got Gordon Hayward, who has been ruled out and has been said to be ruled out indefinitely now to be reevaluated in approximately two weeks. So we're going to have to see what that actually means as far as the Hornets postseason hopes are concerned. They are locked in as far as the play in is concerned. We will have to see if they will be at home court as far as that's concerned, because themselves and the Atlanta Hawks both have the same record at the moment. As far as this specific game itself is concerned, starting with the Washington side of things, really with the major pieces out, you know exactly where Washington's going to go with their ancillary guys coming to the absolute forefront. 
And to me, that's really going to start with their front court as far as Washington is concerned. Uh, we saw that both uh, Hachimura as well as Gafford got the opportunity to be able to start together. While Daniel Gafford only did end up playing 19 minutes at his current price tag, he is definitely someone that is in play for me, given the fact that Charlotte just absolutely struggles against any decent front court guy. Daniel Gafford in general had been coming off a pretty solid little run, which essentially came through with that 47-point gem that he dropped against Minnesota out there. Now, in the three games he had play, has played against Charlotte this year, he's putting up 33.5 DK points on average against them, and I would expect that he'll get a little bit more as far as run is concerned to be able to go ahead and put a couple more buckets out there. Again, in a four-game slate, there are a lot of value options that we're seeing over there, but a lot of them are coming at the either forward or guard position. So to be able to have a guy at center who you can potentially rely on, there aren't that many good ones. I do like Daniel Gafford. And in that same vein of the front court, I like Rui Hachimura as well. At 4,200, he himself has been on a good run as far as scoring is concerned. Three out of the last six games, he's put up 20 or more actual points. And he is, in a way, alternating between good and bad games. That being said, his minutes have been relatively secure, has gotten up to double-digit shot attempts in four out of his last five games, which means that the rest of the stat line shouldn't be too far behind. And at 4,200, not too, too much to worry about. I'm not... Too excited to be able to take either a Sadoransky or a Kispert, though you could potentially be seeing them get some additional ball handling capabilities as well. We saw Sadoransky put up eight assists in the last game, while Kispert, who's been a bit of an off-ball wing, does get the opportunity to be able to shoot a little bit more. In the two games prior to the Knicks ones, did get up to double digits there and has been solidly above 20 DK points on average over his last three games. So not... The sexiest of picks out there, but at 4,300 for a guy who's likely going to be able to get you somewhere between 5.5 to potentially 6x, depending on how things end up working out, he is someone that you do want to keep an eye on. Moving on to the Charlotte side over here. Again, with Gordon Hayward out, we know the rest of the rotation is pretty normal. And my real concern over here is with that spread. So I'm not really looking to go too, too hard in with someone like a Lamelo Ball on here, I believe there's better options as far as kind of that high-priced potential to be able to look at and not in a game that has a spread that uh, we're looking at with the Hornets one over here. That being said, Terry Rozier continues to be at a very attractive price tag, and that's actually been kind of going down over the last two games, despite the fact that he dropped a 41 before the 32 DK point night that he had against Chicago. Regardless, his role is incredibly secure, his shot attempts are incredibly secure, and for a guy that is in that mid-6,000 price range, there's few guys that have the opportunity to be able to go as hot as Terry Rozier can with the green light that he has. So definitely in play there for me. And then outside of that, the only other one is looking at Kelly Oubre. Now, that's more thinking into account that this game is getting a little bit more out of hand. Oubre himself hasn't really gotten past that mid-20 minutes mark over the last little while now, but he is coming in hot in his last two games, 26 and 31 DK points for a guy sitting at 3,800 who likely wants to get himself in gear going into the postseason, especially, once again, with Gordon Hayward out. He will likely be relied on that little bit more as far as offense is concerned. So to get himself back into the good graces as far as his coaching and his rotations concerned. I expect him to play a pretty decent game out here now. 3,800, definitely in play here for me. Moving on to the next game as far as the slate goes. It is Indiana taking on the Brooklyn Nets in what is the highest points 
spread total that I have seen in a little while. 243.5 in favor of the Brooklyn Nets, who are slated to win this one by 16.5. So again, another one of those games where there's a lot of worry about a potential blowout. So you want to think about who it is that you really want to get into. That being said, I do think Tyrese Halliburton is a pretty good spot here. Because especially with the injury report, on the Indiana side, Malcolm Brogdon, who is considered questionable, and honestly, it's highly unlikely that he does end up getting on the floor, just given the fact how he has been sitting out since the 18th of March, and really no reason for Indiana to play him out here. Uh, Bitatze, who did miss the last game, is questionable with this one as well, with his uh, foot injury, so we'll have to see if he's able to get out there. We know Miles Turner, Jalen Smith, Chris Duarte are all out. So we're really going to have to see what the rest of the team looks like. As far as Brooklyn's concerned, the usual suspects, Ben Simmons is out, uh, Goran Dragic is out, Joe Harris is out, and we have Seth Curry, who has been listed as probable for this game with his ankle. So we'll be hoping to see him out on the floor. Starting with the Indiana side, going back to that Tyrese Halliburton side of things, at 8,800, Definitely paying up a decent amount for a guy who is in that blowout risk. That being said, with Brogdon out, he just continues to be that primary facilitator for the Indiana Pacers, who, as much as they have nothing to play for, do play for pride, which has been seen in Halliburton's minutes. Outside of the 26 minutes that he got in that Boston game, he has hit 37 or more minutes in four out of his last five games. And clearly, Indiana is okay to go ahead and put him out there for that kind of uh, time be able to go and put up the kind of stat lines that we know Halliburton is capable of. 8,800, definitely a high-end pick that you're looking at. You'd be hoping for him to be able to get into the 40s, which he should be able to, given the fact that Brooklyn has struggled quite a bit against the guards. In general, the one game that he did play against them earlier this season dropped 41 DK points in that one, and despite a 5 of 15 shooting night, his ancillary stats were able to get him there. And really, you find that pretty often with Halliburton as of late, that his diverse stat line will get you there, and that usually keeps him in play there for me. Now, with the front court continue to be as beleaguered for them are, Isaiah Jackson definitely comes into play here for me. At 4,900, he's been coming in with three games of 32 DK points or more, consistently getting into that 25 to 28 minute range. In fact, getting all the way up to 30 minutes in that last game against Philly. And they're really going to need whatever front court help they are able to get to try and put that little bit of pressure on a Brooklyn side that isn't nearly as size heavy in the front court, unless it's uh, Durant coming around or, you know, Andre Drummond being able to go ahead and stay with them, which really we know uh, outside of those guys at the start, they really do struggle to be able to get a consistent amount of rim protection that has been doing well for them. So to have him in an opportunity where he could potentially do well here, we'll see how that goes. And the other kind of half surprise here is going to be TJ McConnell, 3,600. He got the start in that last game against Philadelphia. We'll have to see if he does uh, get the opportunity to be able to start over here as well. I did play 25 minutes in that game, and we know he's never going to be a big scorer, but he's always able to go ahead and rack up those dimes in a hurry. And if he is starting at a 3600 price tag, definitely someone to keep in mind. He's just easily able to go ahead and pay off his salary if he's able to play even that 25-minute mark in this game. Moving on to the Brooklyn side themselves. Again, the blowout does give it a little bit of a concern. That being said, I'm never going to be faulting anyone for taking Kevin Durant. Again, a four-game slate over here. And given the fact that we're going to be getting to a couple of other studs that are potentially sitting out as well, it does bear into mind that you're looking for as many raw DK points as total. 
as possible. And in Kevin Durant's situation, despite him being 11,800, he has a great shot to be that highest point scorer on the night. And with the other value options that you're looking there, you could very well go ahead and get him in. I'm not looking to take Kyrie in this matchup for pretty much that reason. I'm looking at one or the other. I'm always more interested in Durant over Kyrie and wouldn't want to get too much exposure in a game that has this large of a spread. And that's also why I'm kind of avoiding these ancillary pieces, even though Bruce Brown on his end is coming off one of the best games in his career against Cleveland, where he dropped 54 and a half DK points. His minutes are absolutely secure. And I wouldn't fault you for taking a stab at him, given the fact that he has that dual forward eligibility. And that gives you that little bit more of a buffer as far as your lineups are concerned to be able to go ahead and get them in. But that's all for that game. The Milwaukee and Cleveland one is the next one with a 226 and a half game total. The Cleveland Cavaliers favored to win by seven and a half. And of course, the reason why they are favored to win by that is because the Bucks are in an absolute rest mode as far as this game is concerned. For their injury report, Giannis, Chris Middleton, both of them have been ruled out for this last game. Alongside that, Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez, Serge Ibaka, Grayson Allen, Bembry, George Hill, and Vildoza all ruled out for this game, meaning that outside of Drew Holiday, who is slated to be able to play this one, we are looking at a lot of young players getting their opportunity in the rotation themselves. And that is where a lot of value is potentially available. And I jump right into that at the bottom with Jordan Nawara. At 3,500, he's going to be one of my favorite value picks in this slate. We've seen every time he's able to get any sort of significant minutes, which happens either when Giannis is out or if one of the other major starters are out. He's able to play that high 30-minute role, no problem, and he's usually able to pay off his salary into that 30-ish range as far as DK points are concerned. So for a guy at 3,500, absolutely bargain value for him. He'll probably be pretty chalk as well. Regardless, going to be one of the guys that I'm really looking at as far as the Milwaukee side is concerned. Drew, I do still have some potential interest in just because of the fact that no one else is around. Someone's going to have to be able to go ahead and be that first option. And we've seen when Drew does get that opportunity, he, he's shown the capability to be a lot more aggressive on the offensive end. We saw that in the Boston game where he put up 19 shots, went all the way up to 59.5 DK points, and his diverse stat line, whether it comes to rebounds, assists, or his stocks, will always find him with a pretty safe floor. That being said, again, that spread which is actually the least of the four games that we're looking at uh, here in the morning slate. We'll have to see if that is going to be one of interest. But keep an eye out for the Drew Holiday news. Make sure he's playing. Make sure he's starting. If that is happening as normal, between him and Jordan Nawara are going to be the major guys I get exposure in on the Cleveland side, on the Milwaukee side. On the Cleveland side, though, as far as their injury reports concerned, we have Jared Allen that's ruled out, Dean Wade that's ruled out, and of course Colin Sexton continues to be out for this season. What we did see is Evan Mobley make his way back on the floor in this first game, looked great, played 34 minutes, put up 38.25 DK points, and his price tag is actually still taking a little bit of a dive coming into this game. Now, Cleveland is in an interesting situation because they, between them and Atlanta, are in a position where they could swap out as far as the play-in is concerned. So Cleveland is likely not going to be looking to take this game lightly at all. 
Atlanta does have the tiebreaker on them, so they really will have to ensure that they go about winning this game and not having any sort of worries there. And Brooklyn's in the same situation. They're there in a matchup where they should be feeling pretty confident against an Indiana team. Here, Milwaukee, regardless of who's playing, are going to have a great system. And even though Cleveland is expected to win this one, I expect it to be one of the closer ones that we do end up seeing. All that being said, Evan Mobley at 7,100 will definitely be in play for me. And while Darius Garland at 95 is just a bit more expensive than I would like to pay, he is in a good situation in a match that does matter. He is coming in with a 55 and a half against Orlando prior to this, a Brooklyn game where he dropped 40 as well. You know, his floor is very secure because of his capability of racking up those big assist games. And that has happened in six out of the last uh, six out of the last ten games where he's got double digits assists over there as well. So really, just a lot to be able to like as far as the matchup itself is concerned. He hasn't done all that well in the three games that he has played. That being said, it's not the same kind of Milwaukee team. Uh, he has been doing as pretty well as far as his shooting is concerned. 54% against the Milwaukee Bucks. It's just been the rest of this stat line that hasn't really allowed him to get those big scoring games that we've been able to see from him. So let's see him be a little bit more aggressive here. And if you're getting all these value options that are available, perhaps you want to look into Darius Garland itself. Moving on to the final game of the afternoon slate, it is the Atlanta Hawks taking on the Houston Rockets in a 240 and a half games total. And the Houston Rockets are dogs by 12 and a half, meaning Atlanta is 12 and a half on the spread predicted to win this game. Just as I said earlier, Atlanta is definitely going to be making sure that they get the W over here, try to give themselves as much opportunity as possible to potentially move up into that first play in game, give them that extra shot to be able to go ahead and get into the playoffs. So with that being said, as far as the injury report is concerned, we've got Bogdan Bogdanovich, who is listed probable for this game. We have John Collins, who remains out. And then a couple of other rotational guys not as worried about. Lou Williams, who is listed doubtful, as well as Brown Jr., who is going to be out for this game. Having said, the starts and ends with Trey Young himself. Trey, who has absolutely destroyed the Houston Rockets in the game that he played earlier this year, dropped 60 and a half DK points on them and has been one of the hottest guards in the league as of late, pretty much averaging about 52 DK points over his last 10 games with a couple of games that are hitting into the 60s as well. So definitely for 10,800, while it's not the cheapest of options, it's actually a pretty good price tag for a team that he is up against on Houston, who is the absolute worst in the league at, depend, at defending opposing point guards, 30th on that op opposing rank. And for Trey Young, to ensure that Atlanta has that shot, he's definitely going to be required to be able to go ahead and do that. I'm not as interested in the secondary pieces of Atlanta just because we never really see what we expect as far as their overall uh, minutes are concerned as well as their overall shot buffet. It's always starting and ending with Trey. That being said, from a front fork perspective, Clint Capella at 6,400 is in a good price tag, in a good spot where he can go ahead and really bully Houston on the inside, which he has done. There's that little bit of revenge narrative that goes with that as well. And 40 and a half DK points is what he dropped in the first game up against them. So definitely in play for me there as well. On the Houston side, what we are seeing as far as their injury reports concerned is that Christian Wood is out, John Wall is out, Jalen Green is listed probable with his illness, so he'll likely see himself on the floor. Dennis Schroeder is out, Eric Gordon is out. Now, as far as the backcourt of Houston has been concerned, they've been really lighting it up as of late, and that really starts with Kevin Porter Jr., who has been 
much like Trey Young, on quite a hot streak himself. The, his lowest game in his last five was 42.5 DK points, while he has hit over 50 in four of his remaining five, with two of them going 60 and above, maxing out at a 70 game total that he had against the Sacramento Kings. So in general, Kevin Porter Jr., who we have spoken about being pretty inconsistent up until now, has definitely turned that around as far as his consistency is concerned. And for their last game of the season, we'll definitely see if he can put it all out there. At 8600 not uh, the lowest of price tags. I kind of wish he was in the high 7000s to low 8000s for me to be a little bit more excited and enticed to go ahead and take him. But given that Jalen Green has also gone up to 7,200 as well, uh, both of these guys definitely very much in play. Both just have the greenest of lights. We'll probably shoot about 20 times a game between them. So it really just comes down to that efficiency. Jalen Green, who has been quite efficient in the second half of this season since the All-Star break, is on a 47-39 split as far as field goal and three points are concerned. So definitely turned around from what he had earlier on in the season. And Kevin Porter Jr., very much in that same vein, has been shooting over 50% for his last five games on average, including the fact that he's taking nearly double-digit three-point attempts in each of those opportunities as well. So the fact that he's hitting about 40% of those just adds that much more to his ceiling. As far as the rest of the pieces are concerned, I'm never going to get mad at someone taking Sangoon, who has been doing quite well, but he's seen himself get a price bump into the 7,000 range, at which point I would likely rather take Capella and uh, go with him as my front court or go a little bit down and go with Isaiah Jackson on the Indiana side. So that's going to be it for the afternoon slate. As far as my tier list for that is concerned, for my expensive guy, I'm going to start and end with Trey Young. At 10,800, in a game that matters for them, in an opposition that Trey has absolutely eaten alive earlier in the season, and in general, been one where Houston just struggles so hard to defend against opposing point guards. He's going to be in a great spot to absolutely smash that value, have a big game for himself. And the fact that in between the four spreads, this three of them are double digits anyway, so there's really only so much you can mitigate yourself from the exposure. You're going to have to pay up somewhere, and I do think that's a good spot to be able to do so. As far as mid-tier is concerned, I said there's so many solid mid-tier options that we spoke about, but I think going back to that Terry Rozier pick at 6600 is going to be the play over here. In general, Rozier has been priced that little bit lower that has given him that kind of ceiling to be able to easily smash that, and he has been doing that pretty consistently over the last little while. The fact that he gets all the shots that he would like as well and doesn't have to necessarily deal with the price tag that LaMelo is bringing on, even though he's been playing well, does give me that little bit more comfort to be able to go with his floor and knowing that if he can get his 20 shots off and even hit somewhere in the 40% on that, his other stats will likely put him well into that high 30s to low 40s as far as DK points are concerned. So lots to like over there. As far as value pick is concerned, we're going to have to go right back over to the Milwaukee side. Jordan Nawara at 3,500. Anytime he's gotten starters minutes, he's shown his capability to be able to put up big lines, gets into the 30s pretty consistently as far as DK points are concerned, and he's likely going to be playing all the minutes that he can handle given the fact that Milwaukee is resting everyone else out. Last time he played 40 minutes was against the Clippers, and he put up 34.5 DK points there. This is actually a much better matchup for him to be able to beat that, and I expect that he will get the opportunity to be able to do that in this one. 
That brings us to the end of the 3.30 p.m. slate, and we get to move right into the 7 p.m. 11 game slate, which, you know, as much as as it is 11 games, you're going to find that a lot of these are either meaningless contests in which there's a lot of people that are being rested out, so we're going to have to take a look at who is viable to take there, or there's going to be huge spreads, which also give you that worry about who it is that you want to truly invest in. So as much as there are technically quite a few studs on this slate that we will talk about, there's going to be, and just from the lineups that I've been able to build out here and those that I feel pretty comfortable with, there's money that's technically being left on the table just because I feel like I'm going to get better performances from these guys that are sitting and going to be getting the extended minutes coming off the ends of the bench to potentially starting over here. But really looking in on which games actually have implications as far as standings and seedings are concerned, that's going to be a lot of what ends up driving where I have my exposure in this large slate. We start off the first game with Boston going into Memphis to take them on. Now, this is a 225 game total with Boston being favored to win by five. And on that note of standing implication, this definitely is one for the Boston Celtics who are tied with the exact same record as the Philadelphia 76ers. And they do have the tiebreaker. So if they end up winning this game, they will secure that third seed for themselves, which gets them that matchup against the Chicago Bulls who are there. Otherwise, if they lose and Philly wins, they swap out and they'd be the ones taking on the Raptors. So lots to think about as far as that's concerned. I'm going to be watching this game very closely. But where it is concerned as far as fantasy goes, really I'm much the same way as I've always been with the Boston Celtics. On the injury report, we have Robert Williams is listed out, Nick Stauskas is out, and a couple of other ancillary pieces. On the Memphis side, no major injuries, especially with John Morant making it back. So it's really just end-of-bench guys that are either questionable or out. So not much to worry about there. And for both these teams, it's very much a dress rehearsal for the playoffs for themselves. I mean, Memphis, who's had a fantastic season, will be doing what they can to uh, ensure that uh, their all systems go for their matchup with with the winner of the play-in tournament there being the locked-in second seed on the West. On the Boston side, I've always avoided Jason Tatum. I've always avoided Jalen Brown. I've spoken about this from the beginning, unless one of them happens to be out, in which case I may get a little bit more exposure and interest. But really, it's always started and ended with Marcus Smart for me in general. Just apart from the fact that his price tag always gives me that little bit of cushion, his minutes total are always going to be up there, and the fact that he can get all those ancillary stats to be able to get everything going was shown in its full glory in that last Milwaukee game where he put up 46.75 DK points. In the one game he's played against Memphis this year, dropped 40 DK points in that one as well. And at a 6,100 price tag, there is definitely room as far as upside is concerned. It's actually got a little bit of a drop despite that large game. So definitely looking to take advantage of that. And I'm going to keep it simple over here. Not looking at too much more as far as the Boston side is concerned, and neither am I doing that with the Memphis side. With the return of John Morant, everyone else who had been priced up because of their increased performances while he was out have now kind of kept that certain price, are not currently looking down at this moment. And even though Morant is considered out for this game at this moment, we know that it's going to be A lot of these ancillary guys looking at big minutes and really with the Boston defense, that's always something to be concerned about. 
the one area that we I am potentially looking at is with both Tyus Jones and John Morant expected to be out for this game. It's going to be DeAnthony Melton that's going to end up drawing the start on the point guard side at 5,200. Definitely has the upside to be able to put up those big games. We've seen that time and time again. Anytime he gets any sort of significant minutes, he'll be able to do that. I guess the Boston defense, perhaps not so much. And he did struggle in the one game that he had earlier on in the season. But regardless, at 5,200 for all the usage he's about to get definitely comes into play for me. Moving on to the Toronto and New York Knicks game, which has a game total of 216 and a half. So one of the lower ones of the night with the Raptors favored to win by five. As far as the injury report is concerned, Almost half surprisingly, uh, we have uh, OG who has been listed questionable, but uh, more likely to be finding himself sitting out. And the rest of the lineup is actually looking pretty good, which means that Fred Van Vliet is expected to come back into the lineup here. Though, much like the rest of the Raptors, I expect that the minutes totals are going to be quite low here, given the fact that they've locked themselves into the five seed, don't want to risk any sort of injury there, and really it's just about making sure their rhythm is good going into the postseason. As far as the Knicks, who are not most definitely going into the postseason, we have Julius Randle, RJ Barrett, both of them out. Mitchell Robinson is listed questionable, and he has not played in the last two games, so we'll see if he suits up for the end of the season. While the remainder, Derek Rose, Quentin Grimes, and the rest of the rotation is out as normal, which means that we have the Emmanuel Quickly and Obi Toppin show continuing to run. And that's really been the major area of exposure as far as I've been getting from the New York Knicks. Uh, Quickly, who has just been on an absolute tear with 40, 40 DK points or more in three out of his last four games, two of them being 50 or more, has been absolutely shooting lights out and has been getting the volume to be able to get the rest of his stat line to go as well, which means increased amount of assists, heck, increased rebounds for his size, which is surprising. But regardless, at 6700 for the amount of minutes and usage he's getting, definitely going to be in play. And Obi Toppin is very much that same way. He has stepped right into Julius Randle's role, pretty much doing uh, the same kind of stuff as far as his offense is concerned. But what's most exciting is that he got all the way up to 22 shot attempts in that Washington game. And despite the fact that it was a 22-point victory for the uh, the New York Knicks, he still ended up playing 38 minutes in that one en route to a 47.5 DK points night. So both of them definitely very much in play, just given the fact that we are seeing what we're seeing from the rest of the Knicks. As far as Toronto is concerned... The only guys I'll have any sort of interest in are going to be some of the ancillary pieces here, because as I said, I expect that we are going to be seeing less minutes coming out of the main guys. So really with uh, with Gary Trent at 6,300, out of the starters, he'd still be the guy that I'd uh, be looking at most. He himself has said in like his last post game that he doesn't care. He's just going to come out and play, make sure his rhythm stays exactly as it is and be going hard every time. So that's a good sign as far as DK points are concerned. And really, it's been the trio of Boucher, Achua, and Thaddeus Young that have kind of split minutes between themselves. So even though each of them have had pretty decent games as of late, especially Thad Young at his price at 3,900, has had two plus two games where he's had 21 plus DK points. Again, not the sexiest of picks, but definitely someone solid if the rest of your lineup doesn't, uh, you know, allows for that with everything else that's coming there. But by and large, this is going to be another game that I do end up avoiding. 
Moving on to the next one, which is Miami taking on the Orlando Magic. A 218.5 game total. The Miami Heat are favored to win this one by 10 in double digits. As far as the injury report is concerned for Miami, Jimmy Butler is going to be sitting out for this last game, just resting up for the postseason. Uh, We have P.J. Tucker, who is also listed out, and then Gabe Vincent, Dwayne Dedman. Both of them are listed as Questionable, though Dwayne Dedman has been said to now be ruled out as far as his ankle is concerned. So we'll have to see uh, if he ends up playing. Not that he's all that big as far as this rotation is concerned. Moving on to the Orlando side of that, even more redness on here. We see Wendell Carter uh, continues to be out. Cole Anthony continues to be out. Franz Wagner, Jalen Suggs are going to be out as well. Mo Bamba, who is listed questionable for this game. So we'll have to see uh, how he is looking, though he did get through a practice. So perhaps we'll see him out on the floor. As far as game totals are concerned, uh, we just said that double digits spread gives you that little bit of a worry as far as really getting into it. That being said, I do like the price tags of some of these other pieces on the Miami side. Kyle Lowry sitting at 5,900. Anytime Jimmy Butler goes out, he becomes that more of a focus as far as not only his shot attempts are concerned, but his assists go up in those games as well. And he's actually got double-digit assists in two out of his last three games over here. And at 5,900, has a pretty safe floor in that uh, low 30s as far as his uh, DK points are concerned. So definitely okay with going with him in that matchup. And Tyler Hero as well. For sure, for his 6,800 price tag, the guy who's likely going to be leading the team in shots as they go ahead and get themselves ready for a solid postseason run, or so they had hope, is going to be in play as well. Uh, avoiding most of these ancillary pieces unless we happen to hear more information about any of them uh, additionally sitting out. Uh, Bam Adebayo at 8,300 is a very valid price tag for where he's at, but just not enough upside for me for that price in a matchup that's likely going to be pretty lopsided and not one that Miami needs to focus too too much on. That being said, I do have a little bit more interest on the Orlando side, which is what we're going to go into more because we are seeing that these uh, bench pieces have been getting extended minutes and have been doing really well with them, starting with Chuma Okiki, which I'm sure is Mike's favorite dude at this point. Just uh, can't never seem to get him right, but he has been playing really well as of late. Last two games, 32 and 46 DK points respectively, and more importantly than that, his minutes are pretty secure in that low 30s range. 5,700 is a definite bump as far as his price tag is concerned, but he did have a great game the first time he played against Miami as well, dropped 53 DK points in that one, and even though his price has risen from 4,900 up to 57, I feel pretty comfortable going in with that. Again, with the reality that a lot of these studs are not going to be viable picks today, either because of the matchup or because they're resting. These mid-tier guys are going to be where you're really looking to get a little bit of your exposure. And Chuma Okiki is definitely one of those guys for me. Outside of that, uh, on the uh, on the backcourt side of things, both uh, Ignis uh, Brzdikas, he's been sitting at 3,900 at this point, has played 36 and 31 minutes in the last two games respectively, has gotten double-digit shot attempts in three of his last four games, including one game in which he ended up uh, shooting 8 of 16 on the way up to 30 DK points. So again, just a great spot to be able to go ahead and uh, get him in for a matchup in which he's likely to get minutes. And as much as I've spoken about not really liking RJ Hampton, what can't be denied is that he is getting the minutes and the shot attempts 
And despite his inconsistencies otherwise, his price tag of 4100 does allow him that uh, decent floor of low 20s, which he has been getting in the last two games, likely to continue getting that in this game as well. And even though the Miami defense is, of course, renowned for everything they can do against the opposing guards, I have a feeling of this kind of a game, he'll likely get the opportunity to be able to put up those essentially empty stats again, which is not great for Orlando, but great for DK Points owners of him tonight. On to the next game, which is the Detroit Pistons taking on that Philadelphia 76ers team. Again, this is going to be the other game that does have its implications as far as standings are concerned. So Philadelphia, if they do go out and end up winning this game, will put themselves in a potential position to move up one seed. And I don't know if it's avoid the Toronto Raptors for them or not, but that's what ended up happening. They would end up moving up into that third seed and get a home court advantage game and series up against the Chicago Bulls, which they probably feel pretty good about because they do really own that team. As far as the injury report is concerned, first and foremost, as far as Detroit goes, uh, Cade Cunningham is the big question mark here, who is listed questionable with his hip. He has uh, essentially missed the... uh, He has missed a decent amount of games with that. Uh, He did play his last two over there, but... Now, just given the fact that Detroit has absolutely nothing to play for and the fact that Cade Cunningham has been you know, a huge bright spot for them in what has been an otherwise pretty terrible season for the Detroit Pistons, they'll want to ensure that their rookie has all the rest that he needs to hopefully come back for a even better sophomore season with the Detroit Pistons, you know, seeing what moves they could potentially make in the offseason here. But as far as the rest of the injury reports concerns, Jeremy Grant is out, Marvin Bagley is out, Corey Joseph is out, Hamido Diallo is out, and so is Chris Smith on the Philadelphia side. Both Joel Embiid and James Harden are questionable for this game. We'll have to see if they actually end up suiting up. As you said, there is that implication as far as standings is concerned. That being said, they should feel pretty good about being able to win this matchup, which, you know, at 225.5 with Philly, Philly slated to win by 9.5, that's probably already taking into account that maybe one or both of them are potentially sitting out, though that spread perhaps lets you know that it probably won't be both of them. Let's see what ends up happening there. Otherwise, uh, the major rotation pieces are all in place. George Niang, though, is out for this game. As far as Detroit's concerned, it just continues to be very simple for me. Unless Cade is actually playing, I have pretty much no interest as far as the uh, Detroit Pistons are concerned. Uh, we, although we did see Kelly Olynyk get up to 23 minutes in the last game, put up 31 DK points in that one. Uh, if he's going to be uh, getting the start over here, maybe getting a few more minutes under his belt with the rest of them out, then that will potentially uh, be a a position that I will be looking into. It is a 7 o'clock lock for them, so we'll find out what the starting lineup is closer to that time. So keep an eye on, uh, on that. Not really interested otherwise. And as far as the Philly side is concerned, same situation. If... uh, either Embiid or Hardener out, then Tyrese Maxey definitely becomes a guy that I am going to be taking a look into. Despite both of them playing, he has just been absolutely solid over his last three, 50, 38, 29 at that time. And we know that if Harden especially is out, he gets to be even more of a point guard, which just helps with his assist total, which otherwise are sitting at about four for the season as well. Uh, as far as the matchup itself is concerned, he's been solid in that as well. 30 DK points in the three games that he's played against Detroit. And that's with him shooting 63% from the field. So he's just been incredibly efficient in that time, as he has been for the whole season, to be honest. But this is another level on the Detroit side here. And if the Stars are sitting out, he's going to be the guy I do have some interest in. 
And that also extends to Shake Milton as well, which, you know, if both Embiid and Harden are sitting out, they're going to end up needing a little bit more of an offensive punch, that little bit more of guard play that they will be able to get from Shake Milton off the bench. And he could very well be that first guy off the bench with George Niang also being out. So we'll have to see how that ends up working out. And just, of course, customary shout out to Matisse Tybel at 3,700. In any of the games in which the major pieces have sat out, he ends up getting more shot attempts in that gets himself up into somewhere close to that double digits as far as field goal attempts are concerned, which is really <clears throat> all you'd need to be able to have the rest of things work out for him, just given the fact that he's always able to get his uh, stocks as well. Again, not the sexiest to fix at 3,700, but if you're looking for a guy to pretty much be in a lock 5x position, that's going to be him. On to the next one, which is Chicago taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves. In a 229 and a half game total, the Minnesota Timberwolves slated to win by seven. And much of that is because, as we'll see from the injury report, Chicago is pretty much resting everybody. They are absolutely locked in into their six-seed spot. No movement possible over there. So there's no reason for them to play either of Drozen, Vucevic, Levine, Lonzo, who is out for the season, Kobe White, and Alex Caruso, all of them who are going to be sitting on the Minnesota side, we do know that Carl uh, Anthony Towns is going to be out for this game to rest as well, to be ready for their big game. You know, they're in the play-in, frankly, don't deserve to be there, but they should be feeling pretty good about being able to take out that Clippers team and get themselves into a deserved playoff spot. D'Angelo Russell is questionable for this game as well, missed practice with a hamstring, and they'll likely uh, be seeing to uh, his, uh, his condition as well to see if they can have him rest for this game on their side too and that goes with Patrick Beverly as well who was also questionable for this game with an ankle injury on the Chicago side really when all these guys are out there's just so much uncertainty but where you do feel pretty good is in Ayo Dosunmu who we had seen earlier on in the season where he got the opportunity to start get himself very much locked in into that spot while the rest of the Bulls were injured and he was just absolutely killing it in fact, in the one game that he played against Minnesota earlier this year where he did get that opportunity, put up 42 DK points in that game. And I expect that he's going to be one of the more highly owned guys tonight, expecting to play somewhere in the high 30s as far as minutes are concerned. So definitely a big pick for me, likely my favorite value play of the night. That being said, Patrick Williams is another one that is going to have interest coming down from my end as well. Not nearly as offensively minded as someone like an Iodosumu who's probably going to get more opportunities there but he's also able to rack up that diverse stat line which 4100 gives him a pretty solid floor he averages about four boards a game in just the uh, few minutes that he does end up playing but if he plays more we've seen him even get into double digits as far as rebounds is concerned so if he can get even a couple of his shots going that's likely to get you into that five and a half to six x standpoint which is really where he got in that last game where he dropped uh, 27 uh, DK points for his 3,700 price tag at that point. So we'll see what that looks like. Beyond that, not too, too much interest in the remainder of the Chicago Bulls. On the Minnesota side, with Carl Anthony Towns being out, and if both D'Angelo Russell and Patrick Beverly are out, then I'm going to have some interest in both Anthony Edwards and Malik Beasley. Anthony Edwards, first and foremost, at 8,000 is, of course, gotten a little bit of a price bump because of his improved recent play coming off an absolutely monstrous 72.5 DK points game. And Chicago has been a matchup that he has really enjoyed as well, putting up 52 DK points in that last game they played against them as well. 
And as far as Anthony Edwards is concerned, we know that he is going to have no conscience as far as his field goal attempts are concerned. Got all the way up to 28 in that San Antonio game and has averaged about 20 field goal attempts a game in his last three as well. So just a lot to like as far as his floor is concerned. And at 8,000, there is room for him to easily smash that, get to a 50-plus night if he is going to be the unquestioned first option as far as this offense is concerned. And Malik Beasley, he gets interest because of his price tag. At 4,400, he's likely also going to be taking a lot of shots over here, just given the fact that there really isn't all that much from the bench perspective that are reliable offensive contributors. They do have some solid wings to be able to do and def- to be able to defend multiple positions over there. But as far as pure shot making is concerned, I expect both Anthony Edwards and Malik Beasley to be the guys to go ahead and do that. So that's going to be where my major interest lies as far as this game is concerned. Moving on to the next one, which is the San Antonio Spurs taking on the Dallas Mavericks. A 224.5 game total for this one. The Dallas Mavericks are slated to win this one by 10. So yet another double-digit spread. And you can see why that's happening with the San Antonio Spurs' injury report. On the positive note, DeJounte Murray is not listed on the injury report for this one, so we could very well see him out on the floor there. But Keldon Johnson, uh, who isn't at the moment listed on the injury report, was listed questionable coming in, so we'll have to see what happens there. Uh, same with uh, with Jakob Pertl and Devin Vassell, who, again, all of them were listed questionable, aren't currently sitting on the injury report, but we all know what Greg Popovich likes to do with the San Antonio, also very much locked in to their current 10 seed as far as the play is concerned. So they're just going to be thinking ahead to that potential Pelicans game coming up. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if either they do play and then they play limited minutes or that they don't play at all. So in general, I'm going to kind of be waiting out until I get more information from that closer on to the night. But if we do see that uh, that starting lineup is sitting out, Trey Jones is yet again going to be a solid, solid pick for me here. At 5,800, he's just a guy who has shown himself now consistently to be able to get into the mid to high 30s, if not 40 DK points, whenever he gets that opportunity to be a consistent uh, minutes getter for this team. So if you can get up to 30 minutes there, feel good about that. We'll have to see what happens on that side. And then that also extends a little bit to Joshua Primo as well, who got up to 32 minutes in the last game. Hasn't really had that big kind of breakout game as of yet for the minutes he has been getting pretty consistently over the last little bit. But his field goal attempts continue to be up there. He's got 13, 13 attempts in that last Golden State game as well. And I expect that you know, he'll likely, with uh, you know the guys sitting out over here, get the opportunity to be able to put up those kind of field goal attempts again. And at 3,600, can't go too, too wrong with that, even though there are... He said a couple of other uh, value options that we've already spoken about. You know, Dosunmu and those guys are going to be absolutely, you know, chalk as far as their picks are concerned. But if you're looking for something a little bit more contrarian, then a uh, Trey Jones and Joshua Primo are someone that you may want to consider up for this game, and that very much extends to uh, the Lonnie Walker side of things as well. Which, again, he isn't great as far as ancillary stats are concerned, but what he does do is put up a lot of shots and has the capability to be able to put up points in a hurry, which is what he did in that Golden State Warriors game. Put up 24 points en route to a 36 DK point night, and we'll see if he can go ahead and replicate that kind of a performance up against a Dallas Mavericks team who really, at this point, 
are just playing at such a high level while being ready for the postseason on their end. They're also locked in into that uh, into that four seed as well. So they're going to be feeling pretty good about uh, their upcoming matchup up against the Utah Jazz, which is what we're looking at at the moment, unless, of course, the Denver Nuggets have something to say about it. Regardless, fourth seed is good. Injury reports, they are also pretty good as far as their overall Report is concerned. We know that Tim Hardaway Jr., Maxi Kleber are out. Frank Nilakina continues to be out, as do a couple of the other end of bench guys. Luka Doncic, who actually had at one point been given his 16th technical foul and wasn't expected to be able to go ahead and play this game, did get that rescinded by the league. So he will be available for this game. And as a guy who's just absolutely killed the Spurs in the three games that he has played, 56 DK points in those ones at 12,200. Look, I'm never going to fault you for taking a Luka Doncic. But again, as I've said, there's just a few guys that actually have a reason to be able to go out and absolutely kill it on this game. Luka is not one of them, given the fact that the Dallas Mavericks are pretty well set where they are. So while you know I could find myself just having a guy who's likely going to be the highest uh, raw points out of uh, out of uh, the options that we have tonight, other than you know a certain uh, a certain other uh, stud that is going to be coming up, but just with that, Luka Doncic is the most expensive one that is available. So just from a raw DK point standpoint, he could very well be the highest one of the night there. So definitely keep that in mind. And uh, the rest of the ancillary pieces just continue to be avoided for me, just not involved enough in the offense for me to be able to like them. On to the Lakers and Denver Nuggets game, which is another one of those double-digit spreads. 228.5 game total. The Denver Nuggets favored to win this one by 10. And the Lakers, who I'm sure can't wait for just the season to be over, get home, try to reset themselves from where they have been, are seeing LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook sitting out for this game, including Carmelo Anthony as well. So all their major pieces are sitting out. As far as Denver is concerned, Nikola Jokic is listed questionable for this final game with right wrist soreness. We're going to have to go ahead and see if he actually gets on the floor. And that's going to be the big question mark here. Outside of that, uh, Aaron Gordon, who is also listed as questionable, Will Barton is listed as questionable as is uh, Monte Morris as well. So as you can see, all five of the starters are uh, listed out as being questionable over here, and Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. continue to be out. As far as guys that I have interest in, with all these other ones out, absolutely, there is value to be had over here. It starts first and foremost with Taylor Horton Tucker, who's coming off a 40-point game and then a 37 DK point night the game after that, even though he didn't shoot nearly as well in that one. But really what it comes down to is the field goal attempts where 28 in that one against Golden State Warriors and then 16 against OKC, despite only shooting four of 16, does bode well for the fact that he is likely to be the unquestioned first option on this team that has absolutely nothing going for them at this moment. And despite it not being you know, the greatest of matchups as far as you know overall points totals are concerned or the fact that Denver's defense has actually done quite well up against other forwards. I do expect that he'll get all the shots that he can handle. 5,200 is a pretty solid price tag for him to be able to go ahead and beat pretty comfortably. I expect him to be somewhere between 5.5 to 6x here, which definitely is going to be someone to keep in mind. And that goes the same way for Austin Reeves as well, who's going to be the other one that I really have a keen eye on. 4,300, a guy who has shooting guard and small forward eligibility, despite really being a point guard for what they're going to be doing at this moment. That's something to keep in mind, something to have of interest. He's not ever going to be a big shot-taking 
guy, his field goal attempts are always sitting in the low single digits, sometimes getting up to that 8-9, which is what we've seen in the last uh, two out of three games. So we'll see if he can get some of that up. But in general, for a guy who's able to likely rack up anywhere between six to eight dimes in this game, get the odd rebound, and is able to get a couple of stocks on the way, feel pretty good about being able to take him for 4,300 and having him come here and be a useful contributor in this matchup. On the Denver side, as I said, we'll have to find out what the uh, the remainder actually looks like. But if the starters are out as we expect, then it's going to be Bones Highland for me. That 4,800 price tag, I mean, I've been taking him pretty consistently, even when the rest of the uh, starters are normally in, just because He's shown himself to be that instant offense off the bench for them. That six man who's able to just essentially come out and shoot, which is great for the rest of his DK points. But today he's going to get that little bit more opportunity from a minute standpoint and from a ball handling standpoint. Was able to get up to seven assists in that last Memphis game as well. So does have that capability. In fact, has gotten seven assists in three out of his last five games. And in the two games that he's played against the Lakers, has put up 36 DK points as well. So a lot to like as far as that matchup is concerned. So we're going to go ahead and lock him in in a lot of my lineups. And if Jokic is out, then I am looking at DeMarcus Cousins as well, where he'll likely get that opportunity to be able to start sitting at the bargain basement price of 3100 We're going to have to see if uh, the Jokic situation goes through. I have a feeling they may end up resting him. There's not really much reason for him to go ahead and play in this game unless they really, really, really want to push for that win and uh, try and see if things do end up uh, working out in their way as far as their game as well as the Utah Jazz game. But considering Utah's up against Portland, highly unlikely that Utah ends up losing that one. But hey, always take your shots as they are available. So we'll see what uh, what ends up happening with the Joker at 9.30 game. So keep uh, keep that eye open as far as the news is concerned. Moving on to the OKC and LA Clippers game, which is going to be one of the easier ones for me to be able to say because at a 217.5 game total, already a terrible total there. The LA Clippers expected to win by 12. Really not much to like here as far as the fantasy standpoint is concerned, nor is there much to like as far as the OKC prices are concerned. Let's start first and foremost with Shea Gilgis Alexander, Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, Trey Mann, Darius Baisley being out for the Oklahoma City Thunder, while on the LA Clippers side, we're going to see Paul George out for this game. Kawhi Leonard's out, Marcus Morris is out, Norman Powell is out, as well as the end of bench guys in Harry Giles and a couple of others. And I said, going back to OKC, very simple here. I'm not going to be taking any of these guys, despite the fact that Jalen Horde is coming off a near 60 DK point game, has had that in two of his last three games. I just don't particularly like, first and foremost, taking a guy like that up against the LA Clippers, where they have the size to be able to go ahead and bother him. I don't expect him to be able to put up those kind of big numbers that he has in those two up in this game. And the fact that his price tag is taking a jump all the way up to 7,000 means that you essentially need him to get 35 or more for you to even consider taking him here, which given everything else we know about how pesky the LA Clippers have been defensively and the fact that OKC just is essentially playing out the rest of the season with nothing to go for. There's just not much to like over there, and I'm going to be going ahead and avoiding that, though I do expect that there are going to be people that end up taking Hoare tonight, given the fact that he has had those great games. On the Clippers side, this is where I will get to say that I get to take Reggie Jackson again. He's always been one of those guys that I do enjoy taking. He just One of those, just much like Marcus Smart, doesn't matter 
who's out there, he is going to take his shots. He's going to go ahead and get himself involved. And his percentages will not be pretty, much as they haven't been for the majority of the season. But he will still be taking the shots, and he's still likely to be the number one option on this team currently with everyone else sitting out. So at 6,400, definitely in play here for me. And that pretty much extends to the rest of this lineup as well. Just don't really like taking much of these guys that are mostly off-ball players. It's going to be Reggie Jackson handling the ball the majority of the time. That being said, uh, Luke Kennard at 4,800, Terrence Mann at 4,700. Both of those guys are likely to be more involved on the offensive side, especially Terrence Mann, who has shown the propensity to be able to have a more diverse stat line, is able to go ahead and grab you know, a decent amount of boards for his size just because of how much he absolutely crashes in there. And then if he gets the uh, option to be the uh, secondary ball handler on this team, we've seen him get anywhere between four to five assists pretty consistently in that role as well. So he would be the other guy that I have potential interest in, but that is about it. Nearly at the end over here, the third last game of the night will be the Golden State Warriors taking on the New Orleans Pelicans. And this game is coming in at a 221 total with the Golden State Warriors slated to win this one by six. As far as the injury report is concerned, it's going to be Steph Curry who continues to be out. Clay Thompson, who isn't listed on the injury report coming into this, so it looks like he'll be back onto the starting lineup. Otto Porter, James Wiseman, Andre Gudala also continue to remain out. As far as the Pelicans are concerned, uh, their major injury report really is just with uh, the Brandon Ingram side, who has now been listed as out for this game. So it looks like uh, and it seems that his hamstring continues to bother him. And we'll see what uh, ends up happening with the, his availability when the play-in game also happens, because it doesn't look like this is just a game for rest. On the other hand, Zion continues to be out as well. And the rest of the guys are there as normal. As far as Golden State Warriors are concerned, with Steph Curry out, we've seen Jordan Poole just absolutely take over as far as point guard is concerned. But his price tag has continued to take big jumps and has now gotten all the way up to 8600 which is just too much for me to essentially look to spend on a game that, again, I don't expect to necessarily stay super, super close. But... With the Warriors being on a six-point spread, it's actually one of the lower ones of the of this uh, bigger slate here. So someone to keep in mind. Same with Clay Thompson. You know that he can get hot and get in mind as well. But really, the only guy that I've been consistently taking as far as the Warriors are concerned is Draymond Green, who comes off a 43.75 DK points night up against the San Antonio Spurs. As we know, for him, it's all about just the minutes. He was able to get all the way up to 32 minutes in that game there as well. So I expect him to get back to his normal one here in this one too, while the Golden State Warriors will be looking to get this win to essentially secure themselves in their position as well, sitting at uh, their third spot. Don't want to give uh, the uh, Dallas Mavericks any sort of a look-in to even potentially be able to move up there. And for Draymond, we know that even though his offense is never going to be in play, the rest of his stat line will always find a way to be able to go ahead and pay that off. And at 6,500 for a guy who can pretty consistently get you 40 DK, 40 DK points, definitely someone to keep in mind throughout. On the Pelican side, on the other hand, really don't have all that much interest. CJ McCollum at 8,900 with Brandon Ingram out does pique a little bit more of my interest just because he's likely to now not have to share the ball with Ingram, who had been doing a little bit more of that ball handling in the last couple of games. So that gives you a little bit of upside as far as the rest of his offense is concerned. And really, we know with CJ McCollum, if he can get hot, then he can absolutely get going and just torch a team. That being said, he hasn't done that against the Golden State Warriors this year. 6 of 17 in the first game that he played en route to 34 DK points. 
but he will be in play just because of the upside that he does offer and the fact that with all these studs that we have in this entire slate so far, either sitting out questionable or just straight up not in a matchup that they'll be needed uh, all that often, makes it so that these 8,000 guys get that little bit more interest, which is why you know, I'd be looking at CJ McCollum, not so much a Jonas Valanciunas who in a small ball situation over here doesn't necessarily thrive the same way that we have. And the fact that he is going to be uh, now listed out, which we have been confirmed as well, that just takes that little bit more out of it as well. That being said, with uh, Jonas Valanciunas out, we may see more of Jackson Hayes uh basically getting that much more involved. He's just a much more fitting guy for a guy who's able to just run around, uh, play a little bit more on the small ball side. He's a bit of a tweener as far as his size is concerned for that power forward slash center position that he will get in. So we'll see what ends up happening there. And we, of course, know that Willie Hernan Gomez, anytime Jonas Valanciunas is out, is going to be in a great situation to be able to go ahead and do well. Has had three straight games of 30-plus DK points. And even though the Warriors isn't the most ideal matchup, for 4,300, he's likely to see himself on the floor long enough to be able to rack up a low-end double-double, which is going to be very solid for his current price tag. Moving on to the second last game of the night, we have the Sacramento Kings taking on the Phoenix Suns in what is going to be one of the two bigger blowouts slated for this 11-game slate. The Phoenix Suns are slated to win by 14.5 in a 231-point game total. As far as the injury report is concerned for Sacramento, we have DeMontis Sabonis, who is listed out for this game, and that is also going to be the same for De'Aaron Fox as well. Uh, as far as the rest of the rotation, it remains about the same. So we know that we're going to get more of Davion Mitchell and everything else that goes with that. On the Phoenix side of things, we know that uh, Cameron Payne is listed out for this game. So is Frank Kaminsky. And what we also know is that Devin Booker is going to be rested for this, as is Chris Paul. So essentially, we are in a situation where, oh, DeAndre Ayton as well, where the Phoenix Suns are pretty much going with all of their bench unit to be able to go ahead and throw out there. And the fact that they're still slated to win by 14 and a half just tells you how well the Phoenix Suns have played all year. So we'll have to see what all of that plays out to be. As far as the Sacramento side is concerned, really, I haven't been finding myself taking all that much exposure from them, just given the fact that None of them are really all that consistent enough offensively to be able to warrant that. That being said, Davion Mitchell had played a couple of good games now, but his price tag has taken a pretty decent upturn up to that. So he's sitting at 7,600 now. For a guy who's pretty much going to be playing all the minutes that he can handle on a Sacramento team that has all the capability just to be able to keep developing their rookie, but not really much else elsewhere, that does make it a little bit more interesting given the fact that he's not going to have to worry about Chris Paul defending him on the other end, as well as a couple of their other major pieces there. So he's likely to feel a little bit more free, a little bit more movement available to him. So at 7,600, not a bad option to be able to go ahead and get that late night hammer guy in it. Uh, Harrison Barnes as well, who is sitting at a 6,000 price tag, has had two bad games, but before that had been pretty consistently sitting in that 30 DK points mark. We've seen if Harrison Barnes can be there, he's pretty much one of the more consistent guys to sit at that 6,000 mark in general. Usually sits around that low 30s as far as DK points are concerned, which again, makes it not that sexy a pick, but makes it one that you can rely on as far as solidity is concerned. 
Outside of that, not really all that much interest in the remainder of the Sacramento Kings. On the Phoenix Sun side, though, with everyone else resting out, I am going to be keeping an eye out on who gets the opportunity to be able to start as far as the point guard is concerned. Is it going to be uh, is it going to be Aaron Holiday getting that opportunity? Is it going to be Alfred Payton getting that opportunity? Because we know Campaign is also out for this one. That's going to be something to keep in mind as well. And between those two, whoever ends up getting that start, I'm going to leave that potential option open as far as my guard slot is concerned to be able to get one of them in and see uh, what they can do as far as their price tag is concerned. Having said, the rest of the lineup is likely to be kind of all over the place. I mean, Phoenix has been playing just at such a high level. They really doesn't matter who they put out on the floor over here. They'll still likely be able to go ahead and get this win pretty comfortably up against the uh, Sacramento Kings. He said the one area I do have some interest in is in that front court. Ish Wainwright, who got to play uh, 25 minutes in the last game against the Clippers, put up 44 DK points in that one on 8 of 15 shooting, including 4 of 8 from 3. So a little bit of interest there in the capability of him being able to stretch that floor. If he gets the opportunity to be able to start here, his bargain price tag is definitely going to be something that you can take advantage of at 3,300. Something to keep in mind. Last game of the night is the Utah Jazz taking on the Portland Trailblazers in the most slated blowout game of the evening. 222 total. The Utah Jazz are slated to win this one by 18. And that's because as far as injury report is concerned, there is nothing to really report on the Utah Jazz. Everyone is good to go and that they're just looking to get you know, some sort of rhythm, some sort of uh, you know, groove back into their game because they've been slumping pretty decently since the uh, since the second half of the season. And they're in a situation where them and uh, the Denver Nuggets are tied with the exact same record with them holding that tiebreaker. So they wouldn't want to lose the game and potentially put themselves in a situation where they would be sitting out. On the Portland side, the question just is, who is injured at this point? Even uh, Devin U- or Drew Eubanks has been ruled out, who's been the one guy who's been playing up until this time. So outside... Uh, of him, he just ends up joining the rest of them, Lillard, Nurkic, Hart, Simons, Watford, Eubanks, Winslow, Chris Dunn, Nasir Little, Eric Bledsoe, all of them are out, so we're going to have to see who actually ends up playing in them, but really, what we have seen is that we are going to be getting a lot of end of bench guys on this lineup, plain and simple, so on the, uh, we'll start with the Utah side over there, I'm just going to be keeping it easy, I don't expect to take anyone in this matchup on the Utah side, Uh, they Probably will all play about 20 minutes each on each time just to end up securing the win and just ensure that uh, everyone is well rested and healthy. On the Portland side, I am keeping an eye out for the uh, news as far as Greg Brown is concerned. He is listed available on this game uh, with uh, Drew Eubanks also out. He's likely going to get the opportunity to be able to start at either that power forward slash center position and get all of the playing time that he can handle. Because he's shown himself to be able to be more than just a a basic power forward guy. He has the ability to be able to stretch the floor, can handle the ball pretty decently as well. And that goes for CJ Ellaby as well. You know, he's sitting at 5,000 over here, which again, in other situations, I may be looking at other guys to be able to potentially look into, but just... Given that no one else is there, you're probably going to see Brandon Williams, Keon Johnson, LB, Greg Brown, and Macklemore be playing pretty much the vast majority of the minutes for this team. Whether that's actually going to translate into consistent DK points performance over here tonight, I don't potentially know. But that it is something that I'm keeping an eye out on. I do like Ben Macklemore just purely from the perspective that he can get hot from the outside. He has been shooting it pretty well as of late, coming off a 25 DK point night where he hit three of six from the outside as well, and really hasn't uh, been below that 20-ish mark, which 
at 4,500, pretty safe floor that you can go ahead and take into. Same with uh, CJ Ellaby, who has a pretty safe floor, is able to rack up the rebounds that we've seen. That's kind of his little wrinkle as far as his game is concerned. Played 36 minutes in the last one, put up 25 DK points there. So again, not the highest of nights as far as uh, you know who you're looking at is on the Portland side, but really any of these could potentially go off just purely from the fact that they have so much usage. And as I said, all their price tags are in very much play just for how cheap they are and how everyone else is going. So keep an eye out there on who ends up actually going and who actually does well for the late night hammer. But that brings us to the end of what is absolutely a massive slate. So definitely kudos to those who hung out with me for the one hour, seven minutes that we've gotten all the way up to here. As far as tier list is concerned, I'm going to start off with my cheap pick over here, which is Ayo Dosunmu, plain and simple. I expect him to be playing all the minutes tonight for the Chicago Bulls. Has already proven himself as a very viable offensive option for this team. You know, rookie who's shown a lot of development this year. Has uh, has got himself in a really good rotation spot. Obviously, with the rest of the guys coming back in, he's knocked himself out of that starting lineup. But he'll get his opportunity to get back up there again for the Chicago Bulls. So he's going to be my main guy as far as the cheap tier is concerned. As far as the mid-tier goes... I do believe that there's a couple of decent options here, but again, we're going to look at Tail and Horton Tucker at 5,200 as my guy. 5,200, he's going to be likely yet again shooting all the shots that he can handle. Lakers have nobody else to be able to go and deal with, and it just screams out one of those blowout specials for me. Coming off of two games where even if he shot badly, a 4 of 16, as he did against OKC, was still able to get the rest of his stat line just because he's sitting out there for 34 minutes. Got 37 DK points in that one. So it's just a very, very safe floor for some to be able to go ahead and look into. Now here, as far as the expensive tier is concerned, this is where there is just so many potential decisions to be able to make. As I said, there's a lot of games here in which you just don't necessarily like the fact that there's so much either spread uncertainty or just people playing uncertainty. But if there's one area that we don't have the uncertainty in, it's with the Dallas San Antonio game where we know that everyone is playing as normal, which is going to be why though I don't necessarily love it. Luka Doncic at 12,200 is going to be my main guy here. There's just so much money to be able to have on the table, just given the fact that there's so many solid uh, mid-tier and value picks that you can easily go ahead and have outperform what they're going to be doing. So you're likely going to need uh, at least uh, one of these studs to be able to go ahead and get you those raw DK points and be leading the night there. Luka Doncic coming up against the San Antonio Spurs is likely going to be able to do that. Has already done well against them earlier on in this year and is just in a good spot where the matchup, at least as far as the Spurs are concerned, will be looking to keep fighting out to make sure they're in a good groove going into their playing game. And that means that Luka Doncic may potentially be required to be on the floor for that little bit longer. So that brings us to the end of all of our slates. The last thing to be able to look at is on the Thrive Fantasy side, where on the color options that we are seeing over here, where I am kind of ending up leaning into is Jordan Poole's assists, where at four and a half assists uh, coming up against the New Orleans Pelicans, we've seen him pretty consistently be able to get past that since he's become that major point guard for them. With Clay also as an option tonight for him to throw off ball, his over sitting at 100 points is a definite solid spot for me to be able to go ahead and get into. But that is it. That is the entire 15 game Sunday. So I hope you guys have a good DK points night, a good DraftKings overall 
taken down some slates night because this is going to be the last major one before going into the postseason, which it gets that little bit tougher to be able to find all that value because you know exactly who's going to be playing and when. But if you do like what you heard today, as always, like, give us five stars, send out those reviews, subscribe to us on all the different channels that you do end up listening on. You can reach me as always on Twitter at HAK underscore devil, where hopefully I will also be sharing some of those spicy takes when I get to go over to the Scotiabank Arena for our playoff series to start. I have to find out whether that's against Boston or Philadelphia, but we'll find out at around 7 p.m. then. But until then, everyone take care and let's go and take down some GPPs.